We are, we are in a new season. Uh, it's true of Hosanna. We're launching Hosanna Rosemount. That's new and exciting. Uh, school started up. Kids, are you excited about school? Parents, are you excited about school? Okay, some of you are really excited. Uh, and, and we can sense the, uh, the fall is in the air, isn't it? So we're stepping into this new season. And so when, you, when you're stepping into a new season, it's, it's normal, natural to think about the core, you know, why we exist, you know, to get back to your, your, your core priorities, your top priorities, like let's reevaluate what matters most. And, and so in this season, in this series we're starting today, we're going to do that and ask the question, why? Why does Hosanna exist? And the, and the first response to that is our mission statement, why we exist, our core. And our mission statement is to humbly and boldly be a church that looks more like Jesus. Would you read that with me, wherever you are? To humbly and boldly be a church that looks more like Jesus. If you're saying this is my church home, Hosanna, whichever campus you're at, or maybe you join us online because you live elsewhere, then you're saying that's the mission statement I've signed up for. I'm saying yes to that mission statement. You're checking us out. You're thinking, what's this church about? That's That's where it starts, that we would humbly and boldly be a church that looks more like Jesus. It's our mission. And you know what? It's mission critical for our world today, is it not? Our world needs Jesus, maybe in some ways more than ever before. And it's the body of Christ. You know that term, the body of Christ for the church? That looking more and more like Jesus, it will bring what the world needs. May not know it yet, but the world needs. Because we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus is the hope of the world. And so as the body of Christ, we look more like Jesus and we bring the hope of the world more and more into this world. People who need, need to know him. It's mission critical. If we're going to look more like Jesus, it's a simple thought, but it's a, it's a kind of the theme or the thread that we're going to pull all the way through this series. If we're going to look more like Jesus, we need to live more like Jesus. Make sense? If we're going to look more like Jesus, then we need to live more like him. Well, how did Jesus live? Jesus lived out this clear and balanced and consistent pattern that, that led to him looking the way he did, to, led, that led to him being the way he was. He, he, because of this pattern, he lived a life that was complete and compelling. In fact, Jesus shows, it, shows us what it looks like for a human being to be fully alive because of this pattern that he lives out. And you're thinking, well, that's easy for Jesus. He was God right? And he was God. He got the God card, and, you know, the rest of us are just trying our best. Well, Jesus was fully God, but we also believe he was fully human. And it's in his humanity, because he, God came in the flesh, in his humanity, he had to be formed and shaped and grow into the person that he become, that we became, that we are also called to be more and more like in his humanity, this pattern, which is good news for us. Because if he's doing it as God, we're, I don't know about you, but I'm not God. Are you? But if he's doing it in his humanity, then we, then we too can, like Jesus, we can live out this pattern that allows us to live the most complete and compelling life possible, that allows us to, to live a life in which we can say, I am more fully alive than I could ever be otherwise. And it's a simple pattern. Some of you know this. Actually, Hosanna Rosemount, you've been thinking about these words for a while. If you've been here for any length of time, it's this simple pattern, three words, up, in, and out. Up, in, and out. 
Three words. Jesus lived this pattern over and over and over again. We see it in the Gospels. Up, he, he developed this up relationship, this vertical relationship with his father. It was primary for him. And then he developed relationships with the people he was close to, his companions, his community. He, he invested in those relationships. And then he lived out. He, he reached out to those who were hurting and those who were hopeless, those, those with broken hearts. People who had wandered from God up, in, and out. And we too can live out this pattern. And we see it all over the Gospels, which are the, the accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We're going to look at one passage in this series. We're going to camp out in John 13. Gospel of John, John 13. And, and John 13, Jesus is, is with his. If you want to open your Bibles, you can do that now. And uh, I would encourage you, if you're not in the habit of bringing your Bible, I know some of you have it on your phones, but, but, but bring them to worship so you can, we can get into the Word together and therefore prime the pump for the rest of the week where you're getting into God's Word throughout the week. In John 13, Jesus is with his closest companions. He's in the upper room. He's sharing the Last Supper. You've heard, maybe heard this before. Maybe you've seen the, the masterpiece of the Last Supper by Dan Brown wasn't Dan Brown. He was the author, okay? The Da Vinci Code. This is Da Vinci, Last Supper. He's gathered with his disciples, and, and, and he says, do this, remember me, which becomes the Lord's Supper communion, which we, which we celebrate together on a monthly basis at Hosanna. It's, it's the night before he goes to the cross. He knows he's going to die the next day, that tomorrow is... is when he will die on the cross. And so this time with his, his disciples, his closest companions, is, is like, it's just precious time. He wants to communicate very clearly with them what it's all about and, and what this pattern, specifically what this pattern looks like so that they can be most fully alive and, and so that they can look more like Jesus and live this up, in, and out pattern. So let's look, look at verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Loved them to the very end. Some translations say, and I like this translation, he showed them the full extent of his love. Showed them the full extent of his love. A couple of things I want to pull out of that, that translation showed them the full extent of his love. First part is love. That this pattern of life, this way of living, this way of being that allows Jesus and us to live the most complete and compelling life possible, to be more fully alive than we ever could be otherwise, is based on, starts with, never stops being about love. It's centered, it's anchored, it's grounded, it's bathed, it's, it's fueled by love. In fact, we read another part of scripture, that, that passage that's read at weddings. If, it, if, it, if it's not about love, it's just a clanging gong or symbol. It's nothing without love. Same is true. This pattern of, of living that Jesus went up in and out without love, it's, not, it's nothing. It's no thing. The other part I want to pull out of that, he showed them the full extent of his love, is that he showed them. He doesn't just tell them to do it. He doesn't just tell them how to do it. He shows them. He goes first. He leads the way in living this up in and out life. 
some of you who have known me for a while, I'm just getting to know some of you, but uh, you know that our family has an annual rhythm of going out to Washington State in August. We travel out to Washington State because uh, Jen and I, my wife and I, are both originally from there, and uh, we still have family out there, and we like to you know, go out and, and touch base with our roots and, and spend some time with family and our family. And we have always flown uh, with our three boys, uh, and because it's 2,000 miles, but this year we decided to drive. Are we crazy? Kind of. Road trip, right, with three boys in a minivan. <laughs> Sounds like fun. It was fun, actually. We had a lot of fun. We made a lot of memories. We stopped uh, along the way, different places, including Glacier National Park. Have you ever been to Glacier National Park? It's a beautiful part of God's creation in Montana. It's just, it's breathtaking. Uh, one picture I want to share with you. Uh, we stopped uh, at a place took a, at, and took a hike, a five-mile hike, which was a lot for our five-year-old to make it on his little legs. But we, we emerged out of the woods, and here was Avalanche Lake. It was just gorgeous. And there's uh, Jen, my wife, and I, and our three boys. Last service, I said two boys, which concerned some people that maybe we'd left one behind. But uh, we thought about it. Um, but no, we didn't. We didn't. Three boys there. And uh, we had a great time on that hike. And then we stopped at a swimming hole uh, because we you know, needed to cool off. And it's Glacier National Park, right? And, and we walked up to the swimming hole, hole and there uh, were people jumping off a 20 to 30 foot cliff. Now, if you know me, and I realize not all of you do yet, but you, you, if you know me, you know that my first thought is never, hey, let's jump off a 20 to 30 foot cliff into glacier water. It's just not my first thought. Right? Like, I'd rather avoid hypothermia and heights like that. That's just me. But the boys were excited. Our two older boys, at least, were like, hey, mom and dad, come on, let's go. And, and I said, Jen, you know, one of us should stay back with our youngest and take the picture. <laughs> and so um, she said, well, I take better pictures, which is true. Note to self, get better at taking pictures. Anyway, so, so I ended up going with the boys, and we swam across this little ravine, and we climbed up, and I just couldn't stand there. I would never have jumped, so I just, imme- I just got to the edge and then jumped right off, and uh, there's a picture of me right there. Jen is better at taking pictures, obviously, and uh, there I am. What am I thinking in that moment? I can't tell you exactly in church. I, I wasn't thinking that. You would have been, I know, but I wasn't thinking that. Uh, but I was thinking, okay, there's a rock there. Hope I missed that. Uh, this is going to be cold, and I hope it's deep enough. And then, boom, you just got one second to think, and then you're in the water. And then, whoo, it's painful. But, but do you ever feel more alive than when you, when you jump into near-freezing water? And some say that's hypothermia kicking in. Someone told me that. But, but you also feel really alive. Like, it wakes you up. It shocks your system. Like, every ounce of your being is like, I'm alive. Right? And it's, it's better than coffee even, right? You're just fully alive. And then the boys, they jumped in after me, and they wanted to go again. I was like, once is enough. Ask your mom, right? Once is enough. But, but the point is, I, I went first impulsively. I'll be impulsively, but I went first, and then they followed. I showed them the way. They jumped in, and on the other end, the result was this experience of going in the cold water where they felt really alive. So Jesus does. He, he goes first. He models. He shows us. He leads the way. And then he says, come on. You got to jump in here. You think you're alive, but you are not fully alive. You need to get in here and experience what it's like to be fully alive. 
Jesus is saying that to you right now. Come on. Come on. I'll show you the way, but then I'm going to invite you in. And, and it's, it's about living this life of up in and out where then we can be more fully alive than we ever could be otherwise. Up in and out. Jesus shows us the way. And, and for him and for us, it starts with up. The up in and out, it starts with up. It starts with this up relationship, connecting up with our Father. We'll see it here in these verses. Verse 2. It was time for supper... And the devil had already prompted Judas, son son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. This is an aside, but I feel led to just say this, or ask this. Have you ever felt betrayed by somebody? You don't have to raise your hand or nod, or most of us have. It's pretty universal. Someone you love, a family member. Well, so is Jesus. He can relate to your experience. He knows what that feels like. He's with you in that. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew. Oh, there's so much here about that up connection, that up relationship. I just want to unpack some of this. And and it starts with these words, Jesus knew. Jesus knew. What did he know? Who did he know? It says first he knew the Father. He knew the Father. And then because he knew the Father, what did he know? He knew the authority that had been given him. He knew where he had come from, the Father. Where he was going, the Father. In this up relationship, Jesus, in his humanity, remember, right? He he knew the Father, and therefore he knew the purpose that he had been given. He knew where he had come from and where he was going. His authority, his purpose in life. His come, where he had come from, his identity, his source, where he was going, his destiny, his destination. Isn't that what everyone wants to know? Where do I come from? Where am I going? What's my purpose in life? Those are the existential questions, right? It was, everyone's asking those. And, and Jesus shows us that if you develop this up relationship With the Father, you can know Him, and therefore you can know where you've come from, where you're going, and what your purpose is, why you're here, what what you were put on this planet to do. Or the dash, someone's referred to it as the dash. What's the dash? The dash on our tombstone, I know it's a bit morbid, but go with me here. Between our birth date and our death date, that's everything in between. What's your purpose? What, What are you called to do with this life you've been given? Knowing the Father, you can you can know that, you can discover that. And Jesus was constantly looking up like this. It's helpful to know that the Greek word for know here, there are lots of Greek words for know, but the Greek word for know here is ido, ido, which means to know by experience or encounter or discovery or seeing with your eyes or maybe with your heart or your mind, like encountering God and God's presence in your life over and over and over and over again. That's how you come to know him. By looking up, by living up. Jesus was constantly doing this. In his humanity, he was was looking up. He was connecting up. We see Jesus getting up early in the morning. Morning people unite, right? Jesus was one. And he he would get up and and pray. He would go up on a mountain side, up on a mountain to pray. See the up there. He would go up to Jerusalem. So now we're talking about gathering with others collectively in community. He would go to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. He would go to 
the synagogue on a regular basis. Why? Because he was investing in this up relationship with his father to know him through experience and encounter and, and over and over again, seeing him, discovering him, and therefore knowing him and knowing where he'd come from, where he was going, and his purpose in life. See how important this up relationship is for us. Jesus says, come on. You live this way, you can know all this too. Jesus shows us the way. Another word that's used for living up or looking up in the church is worship. This word worship, if you've been around the church for any length of time, it's worship. In fact, I think a reasonably good definition, at least short, simple definition for worship is is this, looking up, living up, lifting your head, not looking down or looking around, looking to God, worship. The word worship and worth uh, share the same root word, so there's also a sense when we worship, we're looking up to ascribe worth to God, to give God all the worth that he deserves, and then to receive. At the same time, it's a two-way relationship flowing to us is remembering the worth that we have in him, looking up. Worship is looking up, which is why I think it's so cool that worship is spelled W-O-R-S-H-U-P. Who is this guy? All right. It's not. Okay, if you're spell checking, it's not. But you'll remember it now, won't you? Worship up. Worship. Look up. The more we worship, the more we live up, the more we know. The more we know what's up. The more we know who God is. The more we know who God is. Because when we look up, just like Jesus, we look up and we see who God is. We see the Father. We see the Father's love. We see the Father's peace. We see the Father's goodness and gentleness. We see all that he is. And then that shapes our lives. And and then we begin to see more clearly where we come from, where we're going, our identity, our destiny, and our purpose, the authority that God has given us to live out what he's called you uniquely to do in this life. When we look up, we know more and more what it means to be fully alive. To be fully alive. Everyone wants that. Uh, Maybe a sticky way to think about it. It helps me to have sticky phrases like this. And so if it helps you, here you go. Living up wakes you up. Living up wakes you up. Living up more and more in our lives, that vertical relationship with God, it wakes you up. It's like jumping into that, you know, glacier water. Every ounce of you shocks your system and your soul like, I'm alive. The more we look up, the more fully alive you are. And italics, it was you was in italics, it wakes you up. Not just some generic you, random person, but you, who you were created to be, who you are supposed to be in this life. Living up wakes you up. You see it? Jesus models it for us. The more we do that, the more we wake up to who God has created us to be. If we're going to look, if we're going to live, and then look more like Jesus, it starts with up. It starts with making worship a top priority in our lives. Individually, daily, regularly, you see Jesus doing that, getting up early, and then, and then collectively, together in community, 
But even more than that, and Jesus models this and his followers, we see in Scripture modeling this, that it's not just about you know, those individual times and those gathering times. It's also about all the time. That worship for a Jesus follower is increasingly not just about a place or a time. It's about all the time and every place that we are worshiping with him. We're, we're looking up to him. We're, we're recognizing that he is our life source. That's what a growing follower of Jesus looks like is someone who is worshiping Jesus with all of life. Even those challenging moments in life, the ups and the downs. You know, when a, any preacher will tell you this, when, when we preach on something, God usually gives us a gift, in quotes, that tests us on that topic. So the other morning, uh, we have a dog who's 15 years old, um, Jackson. He's wearing diapers, which keeps one, number one in, but it doesn't keep number two in, okay? Great, put that thought in the room. That's helpful. But I woke up the, uh, yesterday morning, and Jackson had left a streaky surprise on our carpet. Oh, yuck. Yeah, yuck. That's what I thought, too. I had a morning planned. I was going to you know, spend time with God, my up relationship, solo time, you know, hour before the boys get, get up, and then it's crazy, you know, so this is my time. And there's Jackson's little gift. My first thought, honestly, was I'm going to take him for a walk behind the barn. <laughs> I don't have a barn, and I didn't follow through on that, you dog lovers, okay? I had the thought. I'm just being honest. I'm in church confessing. And then my next thought was, I'm going to let Jen take care of this when she gets up. And I, <laughs> God challenged me there too. And then I thought about my message. That worship, looking up in all of life, even when it's tough. The message being, are you going to worship me even when there's poop on the carpet? I don't just mean that literally, but think about it in your own life. Even when there's poop on the carpet, even when circumstances aren't quite right, even when they are tough, even when things aren't going how you had hoped or planned, are you still going to look up and worship him and recognize that he is in control? And so I put on some headphones. Jen wasn't up. I was hoping she would be. But I put on some headphones, and I started scrubbing with, with worship songs in my headphones and just started scrubbing. Worship God in all of life. And yet there are still times where we set aside, we intentionally you know, set aside times, individually and then collectively in community to come together, just like you are now, way to go. It's an important piece of the puzzle of becoming more like Jesus and being more fully alive. You're doing it. I was talking to a woman last weekend in the atrium, and she said, you know, my husband and I have been coming to Hosanna for 12 years. We rarely miss a weekend. She goes, but when we do, we feel it. She said this, she said, I know when I've missed a weekend of worship because I get grumpy. Some of you can relate to that, I hope. You miss, you're missing something if you miss a weekend. It's not just about getting grumpy. It's, it's forgetting to look up together in community and, and, and then in looking up, remembering where you come from, where you're going, what your purpose in life is. And, and, and you miss that when we, we miss that when we don't come together in community. We feel that. You might even get a little grumpy. The average... We hear these statistics, and we don't know exactly where they come from, but you hear it enough times, you start to believe it, that the average worshiper in the Christian church these days comes to church 1.8 times a month. 1.8. And we wonder why people are struggling with questions like, where do I come from? Where am I going? And what's my purpose in life? Because this is such a key part of it. 
You know what that average 1.8 gives us? Average. Average Christians. Average lives. Average churches. And then when you get average churches, you've got people starting to think, well, Jesus must be average. We know he's not. He's far from average. But that's what's at stake. Part of, a big part of what's at stake is your life not being average. The church not being average. And people not having the false perception that Jesus is average. That's, it's not just about, hey, come to church. We want you to, this is, there's a lot more at stake here. And so with that in mind, I want to pastorally challenge you, encourage you in the most loving and gentle way I possibly can. I want to say it this way. All this considered. Get up. Get up. Like, let's start living up more. Getting up more. Maybe for some of you, it'll mean literally getting up earlier in the morning. I don't like the mornings. Well, that's the time you got. Maybe it's staying up at night a little bit later to spend that time with God, that vertical time with God. Or maybe it's you know, beating that 1.8 average. Coming, you know, getting up in the morning. Come together and worship like we are right now. It's a key piece of the puzzle. I'll say it this way. The challenge Write this down. This is our challenge as a congregation. Put it somewhere mentally. That we would, in this new year, worship solo daily and together weekly. Worship solo daily and together, together weekly. Solo. Time with him. What does that look like? Well, it looks like a lot of different things. Sometimes it's putting the headphones on, not always scrubbing your carpet, but, but spending that time with God. Scripture, prayer, music. Next weekend is our fall kickoff weekend. It's also our growing impact weekend at Hosanna. At all campuses, we're going to have tables with resources and opportunities for you to get connected and to, to find out how you can grow and make an impact at Hosanna. The tools and resources that are needed to, to develop this vertical relationship with God. Which, by the way, we were never intended to grow you know, spiritually alone. Yes, we need that solo time, but... But spiritual growth happens best in community. That's why we say it's important to come to church, but even more than that, to find a, a smaller community that you can come together with and, and have that in relationship with, which is what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, Jen, my wife, and I are going to preach on this topic of in and community. It's so, so important as well. Up, in, and out. Do you do what your doctor says if you want to be healthy? I know some of you don't, but <laughs> typically we do, Right? You do, you do what your financial advisor says, or anyone's an expert that gives you some advice, and you do that because you want you know, the best in that area. Well, as a pastor, a spiritual leader, do this. Let's come together more. Let's beat the average. What do you think? Can we do that? Now, you're clapping, so I got you. So here's my specific challenge there. Instead of 1.8, whatever 0.8 would be, let's go three for four. Be baseball people, let's go twins, right? Baseball, three for four is a good game, isn't it? Four for four is even better, but I get it. That's, that's why I put an asterisk by that statement, worship week. I get it. I mean, life happens. You're out of town wedding. Or, you know, kids got a big championship game or, you know, you're sick or whatever. That happens. And for some of you, you live elsewhere or you, you split time two different places or maybe you are sick. And so there are good reasons for you to be joining us online. But, but the rest of us who are, who are live-bodied and local, let's, let's come together three out of four. Let's be together. Let's go for all that God has for us so that we can be most fully alive as a church. What do you do the fourth weekend? Well, you can come here too. 
or you, you know, can worship online, or, uh, you know, if you're not able to be there on Sunday at your home campus, you know, Saturday Lakeville is an option for you. Uh, maybe you serve together as a family on that weekend. That'd be cool. Or wherever you are, if you're at a game, you're at a wedding, be the church there. Because the church isn't just about a place or a building, it's a people. It's a body, the body of Christ. Be the church out there. It's going to be a be here three year. See what I'm doing there? Be here three year. Let's do it. I think we'll see the fruit. And remember the why. When we come together like this, it's an important piece of the puzzle that makes it possible for us to know what's up. What's up, God? To look up. To know who he is more and more. And then to know who we are, where we've come from, where we're going, and our purpose in life. And when we look up, we have access to the same supernatural, superhuman power through the Holy Spirit that Jesus did, where we can, we can tap into that. And just like Jesus was formed, you know, in those experiences of encountering God and God's presence, we too can be. And, and lastly, when we look up, we see a God who comes down. A God who comes down to us. We don't have to inch up even just a little bit or clean up just enough. He comes down fully to us in Jesus Christ. Becomes human. and gives his very life. He didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He comes down to not just tell us what to do or tell us how to do it, but to show us how to do it. He, he goes first. He shows us the way. He jumps. And he says, come on. It's going to be, it may be cold at first, but you are going to be more fully alive than you have ever imagined. Come on, jump in. Let's live this life together, up in and out. But it starts with taking a jump, taking a step. What is that for you? We all have one, not a literal cliff, but a jump, a step. Maybe it's trusting God more in your life. Okay, I'm going to jump. Maybe it's giving up something that's standing in the way of you having a stronger vertical relationship with him. Maybe it's starting something new, committing to be here three years. Maybe it's something else. But whatever it is, I want to give God, the Holy Spirit, and you a chance to just personalize this and sink it in. So would you pray with me as God speaks to every heart, every person here? God, we thank you for going first. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. For showing us, we see who you are most clearly in Jesus. And we also see in his humanity what it looks like to live a life that is fully alive. As complete and compelling life. Speak to us now. Personalize this. Not just some generic word, but some personal word. What does that next jump, that next leap, that next step look like? For each and every person here. Now give us the faith and the courage to do it, to jump, so that we might be more fully alive and more and more and more like you, Jesus, because you are the hope of the world. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen.